Here we go again, episode three. Welcome listeners. Tonight we are returning to Museum Heist. Things are going to work exactly like last time. We have a list of seven things which typically happen to items stolen from museums. I'm gonna give an introduction to the house, then my co-host and you will guess which one happened and then all will be revealed. Joining me again are two lovely ladies, Morgan, the most likely to get away with your murder Smith, and Sarah, going to steal your collections, items to solely house them better, Hickson. Say hello, ladies. Hi, I love hey, that everyone. introduction so much. <laughs> okay, this is a diversion, but I have a theory about it because your thesis was on comparing museum like storage to collection evidence storage. Mm-hmm. And so I think you could get away with the murder, like solely arguing that the evidence was stored improperly. <laughs> and I was like writing sentences to introduce you with that information. And it just ended up as too much. But I have a theory on how you can get away with murder. I mean, it's a pretty solid theory. I don't know how well it would uh, work in court, but. I think it would depend on the severity of the murder. Are we talking manslaughter or did you chop (laughs) someone up? The severity of the murder. Not all murders are equal. I get that's fair. Okay. Do it on purpose or is it just a. The taking, the, of, the taking of life is equal, but the planning and the actions afterwards, in my opinion, are not equal. Right. Like, it, this is a tangent right at the beginning, and I'm sorry, but there was something that I listened to recently where it was like this woman murdered a guy and she tried to claim that it was self-defense and she cut his head off at the end of it. And I'm like, okay, self-defense, if you were like, being abused like we all know the Lorena Bobbitt case like you could make that defense but cutting off his head after he's dead get out exactly like I was listening to listening I was watching FBI files and some people just like shoot people in their house and then call the police and be like oh it was an accident and then some people shoot someone in their house and then dismember their bodies and put them in trash bags and throw them in a leak And so I'm just saying, if you shot someone in your house, you could probably get away with that. If you are dismembering their bodies and throwing it in a lake. Mm -hmm. um, But yeah, once you take someone's arm off, it's like. Yeah, I don't think your lack of evidence storage would work. Thought. So in Pennsylvania, there is the, I think it's the the Muter Museum, the Mutter Museum. It's like a, a science based museum but it's all like science like medical and I'm thinking depending on your fake documentation could you just like donate 206 bones to the murder museum you would have to strip the flesh off the bones I know where I can get dermestid beetles I'm just saying we know people We know people with a hookup. This is why I'm friends with scientists. It has perks. My plan has always been to, if I like were actually, well, probably not accidentally because if it was an accidental murder, I'd probably just take the manslaughter charge. But if I was ever to purposely accidentally kill someone, I would just feed them to the hogs at my in-laws farm, but the hogs would eat the bones too, which is the benefit of feeding it to hogs because that body is gone and then they sell the hogs for slaughter and where's the evidence? There isn't any. Convict me without a body. Do it. 
See, but now we're getting into the fact that we've like shared all of our murder secrets. Like this is why Alex won't tell me how he would kill me if he would kill me because then, and I quote, you'll see it coming. Getting back to our regular scheduled programming, I didn't have any trigger warnings for this episode, but now I feel the need to include dismemberment and limbs being thrown in and shooting. But that's after the fact. So I'm very sorry if any of those were triggering for you. For the rest of the podcast, we're just going to talk about stuff being stolen. Are we ready for the actual heist? Let's go. To recap from last time, and if you haven't listened to the previous podcast, go back and listen to it. I'm forcing you because I'm only going to give a very short introduction on the seven things, which typically happen to items stolen from museums. Number one, they are given to a person who specifically ordered them stolen. So they paid to have it stolen. The person took it. They get it. Number two, they are ransomed back to the museum. The robbers say, hey, give me $100,000. I'll give you your painting back. Number three, the museum insurance company buys them back. You know, they offer a bounty or reward for the paintings back because it's always paintings. Number four, they're broken down and sold for parts. Number five, the thief tries to sell them legitimately. Number six, they are sold on the black market. Number seven, a crime group keeps them to use as a get out of jail free card. Okay, let's get to the good stuff. I have a really short one to start because clearly our attention spans are not are not here. 2002, Paraguay, South America. We find ourselves in Asuncion, is how I'm going to say that. I tried. Across the street from the National Museum of Fine Arts. Everything seems normal outside this small storefront. There are staff members working inside. However, 10 feet underground, a peculiar thing is happening. Can we see where this is going? Tunnel. Tunnel. There's a tunnel. So the small store is actually a front to rob the National Museum of Fine Arts. Our faux businessmen are digging an 80-foot tunnel into the basement of the museum next door, and the scheme took them about two months. On July 30, 2002, it was complete. The thieves entered the museum. They went in, took paintings. There's a debate about how many paintings they took, which I don't quite understand, but most of the articles about this are in Spanish. So source material. So they leave undetected with millions of dollars worth of art. And then according to some reports, they absconded to Argentina. Which of the seven options do you think our tunneling thieves took? I mean, first and foremost, as soon as you started talking about a tunnel, all I could think about was that episode of King of the Hill where Hank falls through the floor of his house and he falls into a tunnel and he follows it to the end and it takes him out at his neighbor Dale's house and Dale is just in his basement and goes, you found the tunnel. (laughs) I've been rewatching King of the Hill. I'm sorry. I'm unfamiliar with that, but it makes me think of Pablo Escobar. (laughs) He was a tunneling fool. Okay, but which of the seven options do we think the thieves took? It was not Pablo Escobar. Or, or the Underminer from The Incredibles, because all I can think of, apparently, um, is just in Disney references. So that's, that's a fun fact. Cartoon people also not involved. 
Okay. So, okay. So you said like faux businessmen. So they pretended to be businessmen and they like rented this storefront across from the museum and actually like opened the store. Like they were, they hired staff to work in the store. And meanwhile, like they were tunneling underground. So they really did pretend like this was a business venture. So, okay. And also the fact that they, okay. So the fact that they open a storefront as a front, like that's commitment and also capital, obviously. Like, I, I think that this is like a, like a, someone hired them to do it situation Ditto. i feel like yeah okay i mean you could you could also argue that they went to argentina specifically for like the drop-off of the thing that's a I, good point i guess that that is a potential unfortunately damage sarah the <laughs> the police don't think they had such a good plan and the reason why they think this is that Six years after the theft, one of the paintings showed up on the black market in Argentina and the police went hard. Like they brought in the media, literally everyone in Paraguay and Argentina knew the the painting was called San Geronimo. They knew it was hot. Like, so eventually the painting was just dropped off with authorities on July 10th, 2008, because they couldn't. They couldn't take the heat anymore, but no arrests have been made and none of the other paintings have been recovered. I do think that this was just a poorly planned black market scheme because apparently underground art is commonly sold in Argentina if it's South American. But you guys could be right. They haven't, they haven't been caught. All of the heists from this episode are less solved than the previous ones black market but potentially potentially you could be right why is it that it's never black market when i guess black market (laughs) but when it is black market i i think you just give the criminals too much credit if they put all this work in on the front end you just assume that they have a plan on the back end i like to see the good in people sarah but I mean, the tunnel worked really well. I applaud them for the tunnel, but didn't work out. Fast forward to November 25th, 2019. It's 4 a.m. The Green Vault in Dresden, Germany is on fire. Thieves have destroyed one of the Green Vault's power boxes. and doing so, they have disabled the alarms. Two men enter the museum with an axe. They use it to smash a glass display case and then start grabbing jewels. They just grab it and stuff it in a bag. And within three minutes, they're out the door with $1.2 billion worth of items. Police arrive five minutes later. However, the three sets of 18th century jewels are gone. The museum has lost jewel encrusted buttons, cufflinks, a sword with 800 diamonds in the handle, and a 49 carat diamond. All of these have invaluable historic worth. And the trail goes temporarily cold when the getaway car is is torched. What did they do with $1.2 billion of historic jewels? 
I think we're still in shock about the number of diamonds in that handle. Like 800, baby. I have a photo. I can send it to you guys. It's Ooh, very pretty. Yes. I want to see the sparkle. <laughs> I'm distracted by shiny things constantly. That's why I didn't send it beforehand. <laughs> I appreciate that. Thank you. 1.2 billion. And there's pyrotechnics. Well, they blow up a, like a, what term did I use? A power box, like a breaker box. I don't think that's hard. I think one of us could manage that. Well, I'm trying to like separate myself from trying to prescribe meaning to their actions because I've literally never guessed a single one correctly. So obviously that's not working for me. I, I don't know. Do you have thoughts, Hickson? Because I'm like, I have no thoughts. Part of me thinks that they just wanted it. And so they just broke in and took it. I can see that as like a movie plot in my head. But that doesn't mean that it's real. But I'm just going to say they wanted it. But like, I'm just, I'm just picturing this sword in my mind and I'm just like, I've never wanted to be stabbed by something so much because it's so pretty sounding like I'm, I'm okay with it. Uh, you know what? I'm, I'm going back to my roots, black market. Do you know how much money you could get for 40 carats of diamonds? Black market. Well, you are technically right. So on this, we don't know for sure, but experts have very little hope that the items will be recovered. They are almost positive that the items have all been broken up into parts and sold diamond for diamond for diamond. And many of those diamonds would have been sold on the black market, A, a for effort. That makes so much sense though, because I was thinking like, what was it? There was a movie that I watched recently, actually, like a Ocean's Eight. No, it was that Netflix movie. I care a lot that has uh, Rosamund Pike. <gasps> oh, that was so good. Oh, my God. It made me so mad. But I was thinking about that scene where she takes all those diamonds to the jeweler and they're basically like, like going to fence it or whatever. But I'm like, mm. I wonder if you could like break it. Uh, so that makes sense. A year after the robbery, police raided 18 properties as well as garages and vehicles in Berlin. And it took over 1,600 police people to do this. They arrested three men who were members of an organized crime syndicate known as the Berlin Clan Network. And these men were arrested an international manhunt is still underway for two more members of this clan. There's no trace of the jewels and none of the three arrested men um, have offered them up, which is why they think that they can't. They think that they're gone. And members of the clan have also been charged with another museum robbery of a extremely large gold coin. So they think they melted that down for parts as well. Any final thoughts on? I was trying so hard not to laugh so Sarah could start, but the fact that you're double fisting Mike's hard lemonades <laughs> right now. <laughs> this one's so close. I was it's just like thinking. the least 
hardcore thing you can double fist and I just I love I love that energy for you thank you (laughs) okay August 21st 1961 a thief is going over the wall at the National Gallery in London he has stood himself on a parking meter then hoisted himself over the stone wall once in the grounds he finds a ladder left by some builders and the thief then lines up his discovered ladder to a second floor window and climbs up to the unlocked window to a men's restroom. Walking through the museum to the top of the main staircase, the thief finds Goya's Duke of Wellington resting on top of an easel. He grabs it and then heads back to the men's loo, out the window, back over the wall, and then he literally has to push start his getaway van. He drove it a few blocks to his flat, and once inside, the painting was stored under his bed. This was the first time a painting had been stolen from the National Gallery, so an an official inquiry of security at the British Museum was ordered, and the museum director offered his resignation. What do you think happened to the Duke of Wellington? How did that man stand on a parking meter? Like, how, in what world is a parking meter a good foothold? Just, you know, he took his British stiff upper lip and just twisted himself over <laughs> pole vault style. And who just leaves a ladder laying around? Builders in the 60s. Why? Because <laughs> it's the 60s and everyone is high. Also, why did, so the director stepped down because there was... He offered his resignation because this was the first time there had been a theft from the National Gallery. And you were essentially, like, stealing from the people of Britain as well as the Queen. And, like, how dare you? I mean, the Queen has enough things, okay? Like, sorry, let's, I don't need to turn this into, like, an anarchy podcast, but eat the rich! Anyways, no, not um, Queen Elizabeth. I will fight you. She is Britain's communal grandmother. I'm sorry, but like the royal family probably hasn't done very nice things throughout time. Fight me. They, I mean, it's not like they colonized most of the world. Their ancestors colonized most of the world, thank you. And you wonder why chicken tikka masala is the most (laughs) eaten street food in London. It's because they colonized India. Anyway. I just really really like Britain. I'm a big fan. And I feel like Britain wouldn't be Britain without the royal family. I, I can never let Alex's Nana listen to this podcast. Oh my god, please don't. The next one is set in England, too. I'm going to have to pronounce an English place, and I'm going to try my best per my time spent in England. But uh, no British nanas should listen to this podcast. No. (laughs) Anyway, so what do you think happened to the painting? Okay, so he put the beef wellington under his bed. like Indeed. And yes, I said beef Wellington. Half pastry. I stand by it. Mushroom. Duke of Wellington, Duke Wellington, beef Wellington, whatever. It's a Wellington. It's under his bed. Is this a he just wanted to keep it situation? 
Maybe. Hickson, no. what do you think? Mm, I don't know. I'm thinking potentially Ransom for the museum because it was the first one. And they'd be like, we don't know what to do. Take the money. You guys got some, something right. Hickson is right. Yeah. Ah! Yay. <laughs> I'm proud, okay. but I'm angry. <laughs> so, okay. So at the time of the theft, the painting was worth 140 pounds. Now it would be worth 2 million pounds. It was not money the thief was seeking, but media coverage. So Kempton Burton was an unemployed 61-year-old living on national assistance. His assistance was only eight pounds a week. So Kempton's son, John, stole the painting to draw attention to his father's fight against pensioners having to pay the BBC license fee. Because if you are living a national assistance in Britain, you should be able to watch the BBC. So Kempton Sr., after his son son stole the painting, his son let him in on it, he wrote anonymous letters to the press, and one of them reads, this is an attempt to pick the pockets of those who love art more than charity. The picture is not and will not be for sale. It is for ransom, 140,000 pounds to be given to charity. Kempton Sr., then left a luggage tag with the Daily Mirror newspaper. And the tag led to a bag at the Birmingham New Street train station. When they claimed the bag, it contained the Duke of Wellington and was then returned to the museum. Kempton was connected with the recovery. He was charged with theft and stood trial. And again, this is his dad, not the guy who actually stole it. And the jury found him innocent of all but burning the frame. Apparently, Kempton was a rather large man, 18 stone, which I Googled, and is 252 pounds, which is not that large in America, but is apparently large in Britain. And people found it that an 18 stone 61-year-old could use a parking meter to hoist himself over the National Gallery stone wall. Is this adds credence to how did he stand on a parking meter? But anyway, so after Kempton was let go, the case went cold. 1969, the son John was picked up for a minor offense. And John was so afraid that he left fingerprints behind at the museum, he confessed. The police didn't act on his confession, and the case officially remains unsolved. I know you guys are offended, but what? Gets me about this is last time we talked about that dad who literally gave him his son up for reduced jail time. And this 61-year-old pensioner, eight pounds a week, stood trial without ratting out his son. And then his son panics and just says, Oh, I did it. His dad didn't give him up. And then he just goes and blows the whole jig and is honestly so lucky that they didn't charge him. What a weird way to make a statement, though. Like, and he says that John, the science was the only reason he stole it was to draw attention, like I said, to his dad's campaign. And he hadn't planned it in advance. So if the window had been locked 
or the latter hadn't have been there, he just would have been shit out of luck. Right. Well, I feel like there's, you know, there's other ways to draw attention to an issue that don't involve like felonies. Like that doesn't, I mean, I know that maybe you could argue in some situations like breaking the law is necessary for change. However, you didn't need to pull vault over a wall and steal the Duke of Wellington and burn a frame just to be like, I. It was just so opportunistic. He didn't need, I don't even think he knew what he was going in for. And then the, the Duke thing- of Wellington is just sitting there on an easel. So it's like, oh, I'm going to take this. And then heads back to the men's restroom and just climbs back down his ladder, puts him in his truck. He's like, oh, my truck doesn't start. I'm going to have to push start it. Right, that's the thing, too. You'd feel like if you're doing something to make a statement, it would be a little bit more planned out and a little less spur-of-the-moment, poorly planned. Like, I just... What a weird... (sighs) But also, you would maybe pick a work of art that has something to do with your cause. The Duke of Wellington has to do with everything in England. Everything. Okay, okay I don't but know did much about they history then. did they name Beef Wellington after him? Because after, if that is the gift family. he gave to the world, then he did do great things. Have you had it? Uh, no, I just really like the <laughs> idea of it. <laughs> Why did you have to ask that question? It made me sound worldly. I'm like, oh yes, Beef Wellington. See, I. I know what Beef Wellington is because I've seen Gordon Ramsay make it numerous times. Like I know it's puff pastry, like mushroom, creamy sauce and beef and and beef. And then you wrap it up and you bake it and it's supposed to be rare in the middle and like cooking puff pastry is hard enough on its own, let alone cooking beef in the middle of it. Right. I have a friend that makes Beef Wellington for like every Christmas and it always impresses me, but no, since you had to ask, I have not had beef Wellington. I just really like the idea of it. That makes me sound so sad. <laughs> There's like a casino near here that has a restaurant by Gordon Ramsay. So I'm sure they have beef Wellington. I'm sorry. Casino beef Wellington sounds so depressing. It is a Gordon Ramsay restaurant. He opened it himself. Thank you. A Gordon Ramsay casino beef Wellington still sounds depressing. I mean, in the middle of the United States, in Kansas. Stop flyover state judging me. Stop it. Can I do that because I'm on the East Coast? Is that a thing? Sarah, you live in rural Pennsylvania. Yeah, it's not like you're you're in one of the scenic, like, oh, I'm on the coast of Maine. It's like, I'm in Pennsylvania. Okay, shut up. (laughs) I wouldn't judge you except my people are rural Pennsylvanians. Yeah, we're not special. We're not special. There's a lot of cows. (laughs) You lead to Kansans. Okay, but if you want to hear about something weird... Just wait, Always. wait till this last one because she's a doozy. I honestly wish I wish I was a little bit less tipsy to tell you about it. We're again staying in England 
It is September 14th, 2019. Night has fallen on Blenheim Palace in Oxfordshire, Oxfordshire. Morgan, help me. I have no idea. <laughs> Oxfordshire? Uh, the sad part is I listen to so many cozy mysteries set in Oxford, Oxfordshire. Oxfordshire? Is Oxfordshire. Well, normally it's not Shire. It's like Shire. It hence Yorkshire. Ox- so maybe it's Ox- Oxfordshire? Oxfordshire. If you're if you're British, <laughs> send us a message at thegallerytalk.com. Anyway, <laughs> Blenheim, which I'm also sure I'm not pronouncing correctly, which is why Morgan's partner's British Nana shouldn't listen to this. It was the birthplace of Winston Churchill and an art piece by Italian artist. Here we go with the mispronunciation. Marzario Catalan is being stolen only two days after it was installed. Thieves forced their way through the front gate, then drove two stolen cars onto the front lawn. Two men keep the cars running, then three men dressed in all black with ball clavas rush into the Staley home carrying a sledgehammer and a large black bag. The art they have stolen is valued at $6 million. Do you guys know what art they are after or what art I am talking about? I have absolutely no idea. What is the like what is the most ridiculous thing that you think they could steal? Wait, is it the golden toilet? It's the golden toilet. toilet. Yeah. How do you know this? I was an art history major. It was in at the Guggenheim in New York for a long time. A hundred thousand people peed on it in the Guggenheim. Yep. Yep. There was a line. There's a line out the back. You could pee on on it. Yeah, I'm honestly jealous. I would love to pee on a solid gold toilet. Oh my god. But anyway, so the thieves rush in and they use the sledgehammer to remove the solid gold toilet. Since the toilet was fully functioning and connected to the museum's plumbing, as they're leaving, there's like water going everywhere. The home is flooding. The three thieves are carrying the 18 karat gold toilet off to their car. They get in the cars and they leave. What do they do with the toilet? I mean, I feel like there's so many possibilities here. Like, A, it's in their home. B, they melted it down. (laughs) Maybe they, I'm going to go, but they melted it down doesn't really fit into a category. It's parts. Part. Okay. Also, if we're not, if we're not reusing any of these situations didn't we already use parts for the diamonds i didn't say we weren't reusing it see mm, that's new thing. okay I, i'm just hickson do you have a guess i'm gonna say black market okay because it's parts. so famous like ridiculous the fact that i remember that <laughs> Morgan. should be the number one thing I think because it's so famous, you wouldn't put it on the black market because, like, well, I mean, like, I guess people buy things on the black market, like, knowing that they're stolen. But, like, yeah. it's so famous. What do you do with a golden toilet? I am so proud of you, Morgan, because you got yes! it right. 
So again, we don't know for sure, but they have talked to our expert, Charlie Hill. And Charlie Hill believes that the toilet was melted down. There was another theft that occurred at a stately home just a few days before this and only 30 miles away and they stole jewelry. So they do think that they were stealing things to sell for parts. No one has ever been charged, but six people have been arrested and released under investigation, which is apparently a British thing. And this was only 2019, so they still have time to investigate. There have been calls from the museum's insurance company to return the toilet, and they will give you £100,000 and not ask what you have done with it. What do you think they melted it down and made? Because for whatever reason, I think it would just be really funny if they made a bunch of tiny golden toilets. <laughs> I think it was probably just gold bars. But did they like clean? Did they clean the toilet? Like, what do you clean a gold toilet with? That's kind of what I was thinking. Because I'm like thinking how wonderful. Uh, first off, what a weird interactive art piece. Like. I mean, I know we use public toilets, so, like, you, every day, you're going to the bathroom somewhere that thousands of other people have also gone to the bathroom to, but, like, to to distinctly stand in line purposefully to use a toilet hundreds of thousands of other people have used, like, in COVID, how would you... I just picture people chugging water in the line because they don't really have to go. But if you're <laughs> so gonna they can use the toilet. But if you're gonna pee on a good, like gold toilet, you might as well like have a good pee, you know, not just like oh, a yeah. little tinkle. Yeah, no one wants to take a lackluster bathroom break when they're going on a gold toilet. Like you want it to be something to write home about. Absolutely. <laughs> I'm so sorry. I think I'm just really thinking about the person that had too much Starbucks around the corner and is like, damn it, I gotta take a (laughs) shit. Honestly, I'm so glad you said something though, because I'm thinking like, I don't want to just pee in that toilet, but I'm like, I I can't say that. (laughs) I think I would get too nervous to go number two. Like it would be too much, it'd be too much anticipation. Well, also, isn't gold, like, one of the softest metals, too? So, like, how sturdy of a toilet is this, really? Like, what's the weight limit here? America, we should maybe know this. We need to know the weight limit. What is the capacity of this toilet? How wide of a load can it take? It was installed in the Guggenheim in 2016 and then made its way to England in 2018. So I'm assuming that the toilet is fairly fairly sturdy but you are correct that it is gold is a soft metal that's why when you buy like wedding rings and stuff they advise you against gold or white gold also i i know that i'm i finally like have the stamina to make jokes when it comes to the golden toilet notice how this happens anyways so okay so like it's it's supposed to be an art piece right but if people are using it is it in a room and so you can only view it if you're going to the bathroom it is an art piece and they titled it and everything and it was titled America and it is a commentary on the U.S. and our American dream and how oh it's because it's shit (laughs) 
The American dream does not exist. People are literally <laughs> pissing on the American dream. So it is, I mean, it is really, truly art. It is really, truly making a statement other than the fact that it's just a gold toilet worth $6 million. But this leads into my final comment about the gold toilet. There are some rumors that the artist arranged for the theft of the toilet as a prank. So, and they think this because he certainly, he finds it hilarious. Catalan has given interviews that he hopes the toilet was stolen as kind of a Robin Hood type situation, stealing the $6 million gold toilet to melt it down and pay for the poor. It is a Robin Hood situation. However, they didn't melt it down to give to the poor. It's just in like one of those park bathrooms, <laughs> like the public bathrooms that people can use. <laughs> I just want to think that it's alive and well somewhere and people are still using it. It's definitely not. It's definitely not. But okay, so I have a statement from the artist upon the theft that I'm going to link on my paper for dramatic effect. From the speed the robbery was executed, we can say for sure that they are great performers. Dear thieves, please, if you are reading this, let me know how much you like the piece and how it feels to pee on gold. I definitely think the artist was in on it. I know he's like, in reality, I know he's not. And they just melted on the toilet for money. Cause I, like, when do you get an opportunity to just melt down something that's gold anyhow? But he just okay, finds but- it so amusing. Okay, but also like, I think that it probably comes from a place of, you know, that guy has to be totally pretentious because like, here's the irony of all that. Like you make this solid gold toilet and it's a commentary on the American dream and blah, blah, blah. And you hope that someone Robin hooded it and gave that money to the poor. Why didn't you give that money to the poor? You had the money to make a freaking golden toilet and make like a funny joke. Ha ha pee on the American dream. You're part of the problem. I do believe at one point the toilet was offered to Donald Trump. But as we learned during the election, he probably couldn't actually afford it. (laughs) Wait, no, I do remember hearing this now. Because for some reason, whenever you said golden toilet, the first thing I could think of was Trump. But I wasn't sure why that was like a connection in my brain. That's all I've got tonight. (laughs) How do we how do we wrap this up? Well, to conclude, let me wrap up our four cases for you because I am sober enough to make this happen. We started <laughs> in 2002 in Paraguay and we had some paintings stolen via tunnel that were sold on the black market. We were then interrupted by some dogs. And we resumed in Dresden, Germany in 2019 when $1.2 billion with the glittery stuff was stolen from the green vault. And we believe via expert because in higher education, you are told to trust the expert that you are somehow never 
And they, yeah, they broke those down and sold them because what else do you do with a 50 carat diamond? We then move to August 21st, 1961 to the most dedicated son and father pair in all of England. Only for the son to be a baby. And John Kempton stole a painting from the National Museum Then gave it to his daddy, Kempton, to bring attention to Kempton's plight that pensioners should not have to pay the BBC license fee. BBC for everyone. BBC for life. We then moved. Is Oxfordshire north? East, west? Sure. It's our podcast. We can make things up. (laughs) We then moved in some cardinal direction to Oxfordshire, where five men in stolen cars who bought matching balaclavas stole a golden toilet that was once offered to Donald Trump. And next week, and by next week, I mean in two weeks, because I'll still be hungover next week, we are going to talk about museum scandals because there's nothing more than these three ladies love than to gossip about museum staffs. A nice, juicy scandal with yeah. a side of beef wellington. A side <laughs> of puff pastry with mushroom sauce and beef. We stand. Hell yeah. Okay. This is Good. now a museum true crime food, yeah. comedy, drinking, facts. Lifestyle. Life, lifestyle podcast. Anyways, we were trying to close a podcast here. <laughs> Good night Bye. or morning or afternoon or whatever time hey, it bye. is. Bye. <laughs> bye, friends.